بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached our, list, our next lesson in the tafsir of the short surahs of the Qur'an course. And tonight we will be discussing Surah Al-Kafirun bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Uh, surah Al-Kafirun which translates to the, the Surah of the Disbelievers. Wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Say O Prophet O you disbelievers. So firstly the word قُلْ Naam, the word whenever we find this word qul in the Quran, it means say it's an it's an it's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where Allah says He instructs the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say Qul huwa Allahu ahad, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falak, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas, Qul a'udhu wa qul ya ayyuhal kafirun. And so forth. And there are many many examples of this, but it's important it's good that we know what the word qul means. Yani it's when Allah subhanahu wa tells his Prophet. Say, and in this instance he says, say, O you disbelievers. But before we get into the tafsir of the of these ayat, we will take a look at the sabab al-nuzul of the surah and also a virtue of this of the surah bidnillahi ta'ala. So first and foremost, Ibn Kathir rahimahullah he said that this surah is the surah of disavowal from the deeds of the of the mushrikun. It commands a complete disavowal of that. And we will see this, that this surah completely rejects the, the mushrikun and what they were upon. In terms of the aqeedah, in terms of the actions, in terms of the deeds, and of course in terms of the, the worship and so forth. It's a complete disavowal of, of that which they came with. And Ibn Kathir carries on and he says, Allah's statement, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Say, O Prophet, O disbelievers, this includes every disbeliever on the face of this earth. Yani meaning it's general. This means it's it's am. The word kafirun yeah, is general. It applies to every single kafir. Right? So this is from one angle that it applies to every single kafir. Meaning at any time. Firstly, it obviously applied in the time of the Prophet ﷺ when the ayah was revealed. But also beyond and after that. So up until our time, we will address the, the kuffar and we deal with the kuffar. So this ayat is referring to every single kafir. This is what Ibn Kathir firstly says. However, this statement is particularly directed towards the disbelievers of the Quraysh. Right? So of course the ayah was revealed in, a, in the time of course of the Prophet ﷺ to him wherein he was addressing whom? He was addressing the kuffar at the time which was specifically the Quraysh. So yes, on from one angle, the ayah is general, meaning it, it, it applies to every kafir. However, the ayah was also revealed for the Quraysh, specifically for them as well. So from another angle, it, it particularly applies to the Quraysh. And this is where we will find, when we look at the, the, the reason why it was revealed, we will see most definitely it was revealed for the, the Quraysh. But Kathir says, it has been said that in their ignorance, they invited the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to worship their idols for a year and they would in turn worship his God for a year. So this was the comp- this is what they actually wanted. Right? 
they came with a with a deal. They came with uh, they put basically put the deal on the table and said, "Look, you worship our well, we will worship your God for a year, and but you worship our gods for a year." This was like a peace treaty, you know, as opposed to coming with a different da'wah, as opposed to splitting the Quraysh, as opposed to making issues amongst people amongst the community. Here's an offer. You worship our gods for one year and we will worship your God for one year. Right? This was the deal that they came with. Because remember, you have to understand the, the context and we have to understand the climate at the time in Mecca. Specifically when the Rasulullah comes with his da'wah, his da'wah obviously split the people. Because there are now people accepting Islam and rejecting the old religion, yani the way that they were upon, whether it was believing in idols, believing in whatever it was of the Quraysh and so forth. But this split the Quraysh and this split up certain families. And many of the Quraysh were extremely stubborn and slowly but surely they became more and more aggressive and abusive towards the Muslimin. Right? And again, this is discussed in our Sira lessons which is on our YouTube page, Alhamdulillah, in a lot more detail. But it's important for us to understand this point, so that we understand why they came with this deal, why they came with this compromise. Because it was one of the methods that they used to try and suppress the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to try and, uh, uh, you know, keep back the Prophet and his da'wah, because the Muslims were growing slowly but surely. And they tried various things. They tried various tactics to stop the Prophet and to stop his da'wah from moving on. But it was not working. They, they called him names. They called him all types of abusive things. They would follow him around and hurl abuse at him and belittle him. They would say the Quran is nothing but asatir al-awwaleen, the, 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 the fables of the ancient and so forth. They tried various things. They would say the Quran is... is not authentic and it's just the words of the Prophet that he has made up and various other tactics. This was one of the tactics that they used. One of the methods that they used to try and suppress this da'wah and the call of the Prophet was that they came to him with this treaty or should I say this, this deal. Look, let's stop all the fighting. Let's go back to how things were initially. We were all, you know, one tribe and one nation and so forth you worship our gods for one year we worship your god for one year this is what they came with therefore allah revealed the surah and in it he commanded his messenger to disavow himself from their religion completely to cut himself off to make it clear that we are not the same we have nothing in common in terms of our aqidah and so forth you go your way we are going our way we are not going to compromise um uh, before we, we'll get back to this more in detail, another narration which is mentioned by Ibn Ishaq in more detail. Firstly, there's a virtue of the surah in an authentic hadith where Farwa ibn Nawfal radiallahu anhu, he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, teach me something that I may say when I go to bed. So he said, recite, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ For indeed it is a disavowal of shirk. And this is the virtue of the surah. That it is part of our adhkarun nawm. 
Naam, we've got daily adhkar that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us, which is of utmost importance. We've got adhkar al-sabah. After we wake up, we pray fajr, we have the morning adhkar. Authentic, um, prophetic morning adhkar that we should de- which we, that we are supposed to decide on a daily basis. Then we have the evening adhkar, adhkar al-masa' after salatul asr until maghrib is the time for adhkar al-masa' where we recite this, this, this list of adhkar on a daily basis. And within these adhkar there is so much blessings. It's authentic from the sunnah. It contains so much khair, so much protection, so much mercy, so much nur, and so many blessings, so many good things. It's, it's, this is the advice of the Prophet ﷺ to recite these adhkar on a daily basis. And wallahi, it's, it's, it's when the sunnah like these are lost, that we find ourselves becoming lost. In fact, Ibn Uthaymah even said that it's when these type of adhkar are neglected that the jinn starts to affect people because that is our protection. You know, those adhkar are so powerful as a protection. Ibn Uthaymah would say it's stronger than the fortress of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. That fortress that's keeping them back for all of these years. That adhkar is stronger than that. And other scholars would say it's so powerful that if somebody shot an arrow at you, it would bounce off of that protection. If they shot evil eye at you, if the jinn attacked you, it would bounce off of that protection, that this invisible armor that this, that this provides. So Ibn Uthaymi says you will find there's more types of jinn position and jinn issues and all types of issues because people have neglected these adhkar. And part of the adhkar, there is the adhkar unnawm, the adhkar of sleep, which should be done before we sleep. Protection throughout the night, and various other blessings and benefits. Of these adhkar known is the recitation of Surah Al-Kafirun, and this is the this is the hadith. This is the evidence for the, for the statement. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is telling him, when you go to bed, recite Qul ya al-Kafirun. This entire surah, of course, for indeed it is a disavowal of shirk, and it will protect a person from falling into shirk. It will protect a person from falling into shirk bi ta'ala. Shu'bah, he said, something he would say one time and sometimes he would not say it. Meaning that these adhkar, or some of these adhkar of, of sleep, it was done, or some of them are done at times and sometimes they are not done. Meaning they, should, they don't have to be done every single night. Right? This is regarding some of the adhkar of sleep. Right? But the, the rest of them, or most of them, we would do every night because of the khayr that it brings. So the more we do it, the better bi Ta'ala. And in some narrations, it is stated that Surah Al-Kafirun is, equ- is equal to a fourth of the Qur'an. Whereas Surah Al-Ikhlas, Ahad, is equal to a third of the Qur'an. Allah knows best in terms of the authenticity. So we go back to the reason for revelation. We touched on it basically from the statement of Ibn Kathir. Um, however, we said from the ways of the Quraysh, they tried to retaliate against the Prophet and his da'wah was that they tried to have a compromise with him. They wanted to meet him halfway. Right? And this was the idea of one year, one year. This was, let, let's rather get together. Right? So the Prophet gives up, gives up some of what he believed and called to and they would do the same. So we're not going to be headstrong. You want to call to your da'wah only and it brings all these other issues and, and splitting the people and we are being headstrong and our call and so, let's rather meet halfway. 
We can both compromise. Let's come together. We will do what you do for one year. You do what we do for one year. Compromise. And this tactic is still used to this day. This tactics, these tactics are used to this day. From outside of the ummah and also from within the ummah. If people cannot break you down, then they will lead to compromisation. They will try to get you to compromise on your principles. They will try to get you to compromise on your belief. So that you at least meet them halfway. Or come close to what they are upon and so forth. So this is something to be weary of. And to be warned of. That a Muslim does not compromise his belief. He does not compromise his principles. He stands by his belief. He stands by his methodology. And he stands by his principles. Even if it may be a fellow Muslim. Who will try and you know, comp- make you compromise. And we find this within Ahlul Sunnah Wal Jama'ah for example. We are firm upon certain principles of belief, certain principles of following the sunnah and avoiding places of shirk or bid'ah or sin. People will try to have you compromise. This is something that is done to this day and it's only becoming that we try our best not to compromise. Not to compromise as much as we can. Right? As much as we can. And this is the general rule. This is the general rule which is of utmost importance to keep ourselves grounded and firm upon our deen, um, insha'Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah where he said in Surah Al-Qalam, وَدُّوا لَوْ تُدْهِنُوا فَيُدْهِنُونَ وَدُّوا لَوْ تُدْهِنُوا فَيُدْهِنُونَ They wish you would compromise, so they would yield to you. So they would yield to you. This was the wish of the Quraysh, that you would compromise. Right, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, he said on this ayah, the mushrikun, they wished, O Muhammad, that you would soften up to them in your religion, fidinik, that you would soften up to them, to become more gentle with them, to compromise with them, by responding to their invite to depend on their gods. This is what they wanted. You know, the, the matter of tawheed was, was, was the problem. It was tawheed that was the problem. This was the problem with his da'wah. They knew he was truthful. The Prophet stood on Mount Safa and he said, If I said to you that there's an enemy that's about to sneak up on you and attack you, would you believe me? And they said, yes. Because we don't know you to be a liar. But when he said to them, believe in the oneness of Allah, this is when they became angry. Worship one God alone, this is what angered them. They could not understand it. And to them they would say, this is something strange. This is something strange. Surah Al-Sad, Allah says that this is what they would say. He, he comes and he, he wants us to have one ilah. This is something indeed very strange. This was, this was the problem. The da'wah to tawheed was the problem. So they wanted him to soften up and compromise on this da'wah and come to them with their shirk and, and or rather unite with them on their shirk by depending on their gods as well. And as such, they will then soften up to you in your worship of your God. Yani they will join you and they will allow it and they will not oppose you. But you have to compromise as well. Wallahu musta'an. And this is similar to another ayah, as he says, وَلَوْلَا أَن ثَبَّتْنَاكَ لَقَدْ كِتَّ إِلَيْهِمْ شَيْئًا قَلِيلًا Had we not made you steadfast, you probably, probably would have inclined to them a little. 
إذا لأذقناك ضعف الحياة وضعف الممات ثم لا تجد لك علينا نصيرا and then we truly would have made you taste double punishment both in this life and after death and you had found no help against us right يعني الله سبحانه وتعالى kept him firm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept him firm and he did not incline towards them and the offers and all of the different ways and tactics that they, that they made and tried with him. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Um, Ibn Ishaq in his book of Sirah he mentioned this, the reason behind this revelation in a bit more detail and he said Al-Aswad ibn, Abd- ibn, Abd- ibn Al-Muttalib Ibn Abdul Uzza Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira Umayya ibn Khalaf Al-As ibn Wa'il and other leaders of the Quraysh they came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whilst he was making tawaf around the Kaaba and they said to him they made him an offer and this was the compromise they said look let us worship that which you worship and you worship that which we worship and we be partners in this affair right let's not split let's not this you know let's, let's be united Let's not break up. If that which you worship is better than or it's better than what we worship, then we have taken a share in that. So there's goodness in us in, in for us. And if that which we worship is better than what you worship, then you will have taken a share in that. Look at their reasoning. Look at the compromise. As if to say, look. This khayr, they could be khayr by us, they could be khayr by you. If we do it this way, then we will all be having khayr. We'll all be in khayr because you will get your share of khayr if it's by us. And if it's by you, we'll have the share of khayr as well. They didn't come and say, look, we are correct. Uh, and you should... No, they use a different tactic. This is the tactics that, that was required and, and, and that this is the, the whole idea of compromise. Upon this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surah Al-Kafirun. Upon this, Allah then revealed, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say to them, O Prophet, O disbelievers. And the rest of the surah is then a complete, as we said, disavowal of them and their beliefs and so forth. Right? And that's what we will get into shortly, بِإِذْنِ ta'ala, Completely rejecting their compromise in the most emphatic way. As if, you know, the Prophet he may have said this and said that to them, but Allah revealed at that point, this surah which completely shattered them and completely shattered the compromise and the whole idea, the whole tactic that they came with was completely destroyed. Oh, disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship. Nor do you worship what I worship. And I do not worship what you worship. Nor do you worship what I worship. You have your religion and I have mine in a, in a very basic translation. But this was how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed at that time the perfect surah to completely destroy the idea of a compromise. To completely cut off the idea of working or uniting with kufr and shirk. And joining with kufr and shirk. Tawheed is on the one hand, shirk is on the other. There's no mixing the two. Belief and iman is on the one hand, kufr is on the other hand. There's no mixing the two. There's no joining the two. There's a clear split between the two. And there's no ways that, that it can be mixed. There's no ways that it can be mixed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He starts off the surah then by saying, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Say, O Prophet, O you disbelievers. 
Oh, you disbelievers. And as we said, as Ibn Kathir said, this includes every disbeliever. This includes every disbeliever. The ayah is general in the sense, right? Every mushrik, every Jew, every Christian, or whatever else the person may be, if he's a kafir, he is included in this ayah. And one has to address every disbeliever with his heart and tongue to free himself from him and his worship. And this is it. As a mu'min, we, we can't mix. Yani we can't mix our belief and our practices. What we practice, what we believe, what we act upon, is it comes from the Quran and the Sunnah. It's purely for the sake of Allah. We cannot incorporate the rituals of the kuffar and worshipping their idols and their gods and their this and that as well. No ways. We, we completely separate from them. We completely distance ourselves from them. And this is why we, for example, Islam is so strict on anything that can lead to shirk or anything that can lead to kufr or anything that is part of the practices of the mushrikeen. It's haram to practice in it. For example, any pagan festival, any pagan ritual. Right? And we've seen these things popping up whether it's done with knowledge or out of ignorance, people partaking in pagan rituals, doing things for idols or for various gods and so forth. Right? And, and these things are not permissible. These things are completely, completely unacceptable. Right? We found a wedding happening in, in South Africa where... Uh, the, the, the boy was a, an ex-Hindu. So he became a Muslim, alhamdulillah. Married a Muslim girl. But at the wedding, they had a Hindu religious leader as well, out of respect for their religion. Because the boy's family is still Hindus. And they had this, a fire, this, this blessed fire that they have. and they, All of these rituals that they do in their religion was in practice at this supposed to be Muslim wedding. This is completely haram. This is completely not permissible. And th this, this surah itself is a proof for this. Especially looking at the context. It's a comp looking at how it was revealed. To say, we, don't, we do not do those things. Understand? And we will see as we go along a further uh, in-depth, uh, more, more uh, in-depth explanation of those ayat towards the end of Idnillah. So then Allah says, لا أعبد ما تعبدون. لا أعبد ما تعبدون. Say to them, O disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship. I do not worship لا أعبد that which you worship. ما تعبدون. Ibn Kathir, he said this refers to obviously their statues and rival gods. Ibn Uthaymi said meaning their idols. I do not worship what you worship of idols, of statues. And again, this is also general. It applies to whatever they may be worshipping. If it's a fire, if it's a tree, if it's an idol, if it's a stone, if it's an angel, if it's a prophet, if it's a, a jinn, whatever it may be that any disbeliever out there is worshipping, we as a believer, we say, oh disbeliever, I do not worship what you worship. Whatever it may be from other than Allah, I do not worship in that. I cut myself off from this. I distance myself from this. This is the mu'min. This is the muwahid. The person of monotheism and tawheed. Then Allah says, وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ 
nor will you ever worship what I worship. Nor will you ever or nor do you worship what I worship. Ibn Kathir, he said, this of course refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Nor do you worship what I worship, meaning Allah. I worship Allah alone. He has no partner. La sharika lah. You do not worship him. Again, an emphasis. I do not worship what you worship of various false gods. Nor do you worship what I worship, which is Allah alone. Completely separating ourselves, completely making the distinguish the, the, the distinguishing factors clear, drawing the line, making things clear. Right? Kathir said the word Maya means man. That's what it means, meaning, no one you worship, the one that I worship, whom I worship, man, man, means man, it means the word what should actually be translated as who. That's what Ibn Kathir is saying. So it means, no will you worship who I worship, meaning Allah. Understand? And then Allah says, وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُمْ وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُمْ I will never worship what you worship. And I do not, or will not, or will never worship what you worship. Again, emphasizing the same thing. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he said, Means it means I do not worship according to your worship, which means that I do not go along with it or follow it. I only worship Allah in the manner in which He loves and is pleased with. Now, take note of what Ibn Kathir is saying and the way He is explaining this ayat because we're going to get to some uh, differences of opinion of, of how these ayat are to be interpreted, right? And the scholars, some of them differed over how these ayat are. To be interpreted. This is of course the interpretation of Ibn Kathir that we are giving. The great Imam of Tafsir. So he says, what's meant by this ayah is, I do not worship according to your worship. Yani, I don't worship the way that you worship. Okay? Which means that I do not go along with it or follow it. So the, the rituals that you do, the practices that you do, the way that you worship, I don't go along with that nor do I follow that. I have my own way that I worship. I have my own ibadah that I fulfill. And I only worship Allah in the manner in which He loves and is pleased with. Subhanallah. I only worship Allah in the manner in which He loves and is pleased with. I don't worship Allah in any other way. I don't come with practices that is not Islamic. I do not worship Allah in ways that is not from the deen of Allah. Understand? So subhanallah, we don't come with the rituals of the mushrikeen and, and we incorporate that into Islam and we worship Allah with this. We don't take a ritual of the disbelievers, whether whatever practice it may be, whatever so-called goodness they, they claim that this practice may bring or where it stems from, if it's from the kuffar, from the mushrikeen, we do not worship Allah with that. This is the mu'min. We worship Allah only in the manner in which he loves and is pleased with. And where does this come from? It comes from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So number one, our worship cannot be from the non-Muslims or from the Mushrikeen. Number two, it cannot be from Bid'ah either. Because if it's from Bid'ah, it's innovated. It's not from the Qur'an and Sunnah. It's something that's been added, something that's been brought about later on, not from the Hadith or from the Sunnah, from the Sahaba. So therefore, how do we know Allah will be pleased with it? How do we know this worship will be beloved to Allah? 
Our claiming that it's good, us claiming that it's something good, if we feel it's good, does that mean it's good? Does that mean Allah believes it's good? We have no, no, no way of knowing. So this is again one of the harms of bid'ah, of innovations. Then it should, it should be avoided and we stick to the sunnah only. Because we know Allah is pleased with that. So this is important. And notice how Ibn Kathir is interpreting this ayah. He is referring to the way worship is being done. As opposed to the previous version, uh, the previous ayah, where he spoke more about the one who is being worshipped. Right? The one who is being worshipped. And he said that ma'adhi means man, the one whom I worship. Yeah, it means I will never worship the way that you worship. This is how Ibn Kathir is explaining it. Then Allah says, وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ Nor will you ever worship what I worship. And this, he said, means you do not follow the commands of Allah and His legislation in His worship. Rather, you have invented something out of the promptings of your own souls. Right? Yani, you do not worship the way I worship. And you do not follow Allah's instructions and His commandments. His legislation. His sharia. This is not what you follow. And His worship. Or in His worship. Rather, you come up with your own things. Your own promptings of your own souls. And again, number one, we can say this applies to the kuffar, yes? The way they worship Allah. And the way they have fallen into worship and shirk and, and so forth. Of worshipping idols and worshipping various things. This can apply to any innovation as well. Even within the ummah. Because where did it come from? Somebody invented it. Hence is what Ibn Kathir has said. And of course, some innovation can lead to disbelief. Like the act of uh, worshipping the grave, for example. This is innovation, but it's also shirk. So this definitely enters into this ayah as well. That you do not worship the way we worship. You are following your own desires. You are following things that you've made up. As opposed to the way we worship, which is we follow what the Quran has instructed us, what Allah has instructed us and what His Messenger has instructed us with. And then he says, this is the same as Allah says, They follow nothing but inherited assumptions. And whatever their souls desire, although true guidance has already come to them from their Rabb. Subhanallah. This is what they follow. The guidance has come. The Quran and Sunnah has come. Right? That's the guidance. There's no guidance beyond this. But what do they follow? Inherited assumptions. Meaning, dhan. What they think is good. What they assume is good. وَمَا تَهْوَ الْأَنفُسِ Whatever their souls desire. Whatever, they, whatever their hawa wants. Whatever their desires are after. And again we say, Number one, this applies to the kuffar. Yes, this is what they follow. They follow what they think is good. They follow what they believe is good, even though there's no evidence for it. It's not based upon their own scripture. And likewise, this applies to Ahlul Bid'ah as well within the Ummah. Even though the ayat is referring to the kuffar, yes. But if you look at this two ayat, how it's being interpreted in the method of worship, then it can also be used as a refutation against the people of Bid'ah because they are doing something similar. Not to the extent of the kuffar, may they have fallen into kufr and shirk, but to a lesser degree, although some bid'ah does lead towards kufr and shirk, as we mentioned, the worship of graves and so forth.
So bid'ah is of two types. You get bid'ah which is fisq. That's fisqiyah meaning it's bid'ah which is equal to sin. And that's like every normal innovation. But you also get bid'ah which is kufriyah. It's not just a new thing, it's also a new thing, an added thing, which is actually tantamount to kufr and disbelief, like when you worship a grave or you worship other than Allah and so forth. Wallahu al-musta'an. So the ayat are speaking towards the disbelievers, but at times bid'ah can be applied to this, especially when it's bid'ah kufriyah, especially when it's a type of bid'ah which leads to disbelief and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he said that some may think that these repetitions are for purposes of emphasis only. Right? So, what emphasis, what is he talking about here? He means, if we look at the ayat, what does it say? Say, O say, disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship. And you do not worship the one I worship. And I do not worship what you worship. And you do not worship the one I worship or that which I worship. This, this is definitely some, some type of repetition in the meaning or repetition in what's being said. So some scholars, Ibn Uthaymin is telling us now, said that these ayat, they mean the same thing. The meaning is the same thing. However, and, and the reason, yani it means the same thing, so therefore it's repetition. And the reason Allah is repeating it is for emphasis, tawkeed. It's, yani Allah is repeating this ayat because He wants to emphasize this point. Right? However, Ibn Uthaymi says this is a weak interpretation. That it's only, or rather that this is repetition that's done for emphasis. He says, if we look at the ayat, we will find that the first ayah says, La a'budu ma ta'budun. It's technically the second ayah. La a'budu ma ta'budun. The word a'budu is used. A'budu means, I worship. La a'budu, I do not worship. But this is a verb, right? It's a verb in Arabic. If you look at uh, the form that's being used, it's used as a verb. Whereas the next ayat mentions, وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُمْ Allah changed the formula. He changed the, the way that the wording is changed. He doesn't say وَلَا أَعْبُدُ He says now وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ And I am not one who worships. I am not a worshipper of what you worship or the way that you worship. The word عَابِد is a noun. So the Sheikh is trying to prove that there is a difference between the structure of the sentences is not exactly the same between this one and this one. There's a difference in the structure and the wording that's used. One is used as a verb, the other one is a noun. Right? So the verb is a fi'lul mudari'. For those who study a little bit of Arabic, they will know a fi'l, you get a fi'l madi, past tense verb, and you get a fi'l mudari'. Which is a present tense verb or future tense. In this instance, it's a present tense verb. Right? And then you get abid, which is an ismul fi'il. Right? Which is used when it's used for an action, is used for the future. Right? But we'll get back to that. Firstly, the point here is that this proves that the sentences are different. There's a difference between the two. And for it to be used for emphasis only, they have to be the same. So therefore the Sheikh rejects this view that, the, that these repetitions are used for
for emphasis only. This is what Sultan Scholar said. Panathemi says, no, it's not used for emphasis only because there's a difference in the structure. There's a difference in the wording that Allah has used. Therefore, he does not accept this. So why the repetition? If it's not for emphasis only, we could argue it is for emphasis, but there's more to it than that. Some ulama stated, the ayah where Allah says, لا أعبد ما تعبدون I do not worship what you worship. Is for the present tense. As I just explained shortly, the word a'budu is a fi'l mudari' is a verb that is used for present tense. So this one here says, I currently do not worship what you worship. It refers to the present tense. I do not worship what you worship. Whilst wala ana abidum ma'abatu means this word abid is a noun as we said. It's also ismul fi'l which is used for future tense when it comes to actions. This is now grammar, right? The grammar behind it all. وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُ means I will never worship what you worship. يعني in the future tense. So the difference between the two is not just, or should I say the two is not, the repetition in the two in terms of the meaning is not just for emphasis. Rather there's a difference between the two. The first one tells us, I do not worship what you worship. Yani currently. Okay? Of shirk. And the second one tells us, Wala ana means I will never worship what you worship. In the future as well. So there's a slight difference between the two and this adds to the meaning. Right? This is the interpretation of some of the scholars. That's the second view. Although other ulama came and they disagreed with this and they said, no, there's a problem with this interpretation. If you're going to use this interpretation, which means one is for current, for present tense, and the one is for future tense, there's a slight problem with this. What's the problem with this? They said, if you take the second part, which says, You will never worship what I worship. Right? So we are now saying, um, if we take this interpretation, then how do we interpret the surah? Say, O disbelievers, لا أعبد ما تعبدون means I do not worship what you worship ولا أنتم عابدون ما أعبد and you do not worship what I worship or whom I worship and then comes this ayah ولا أنا عابد ما عبدتم I will never worship what you worship and then comes the next ayah ولا أنتم عابدون ما أعبد and you will never worship what I worship so the first two that are grouped together will be for present tense and the second two which are grouped together will be for future tense Right? So this one over here will be with the, for the future tense. Meaning, and you will never worship what I worship. Okay? They said that this can't be right. Because if this refers to the future, right? Then those people of the Quraysh, what if they do believe? What if they start worshipping Allah? And we know that many of them did accept Islam later on. So the, this ayah was revealed, you know, before Hijrah. And many of the Qurayshis accepted Islam only after Hijrah. After Fathu Makkah, after Badr, after various things, they, they accepted Islam later on. Right? So if we say that this ayah means, and you will never worship what I worship, meaning in the future, this is him telling the Prophet وسلم, is telling whom? All of the Quraysh. You will never worship what I worship. But there's a possibility that they might. 
They might just believe in Allah one day. They might just make tawbah. They might just accept Islam and start worshiping Allah alone. Then how does this then this ayah will be problematic? And even if we put it in today's context, if we say to a disbeliever, for example, you will never worship what I worship. How do we know that? How do we know that Allah doesn't guide him? So the scholars argued that this saying this applies to the future tense is problematic. It's problematic. And therefore this proves that there's weakness in this view. Right? They then responded by saying, the verse is addressed to the mushrikeen whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew would never believe and worship him. So they are now saying, it's not actually general anymore. It's not actually general referring to all of the kuffar. This verse is now only applied to whom? The people of the Quraysh. That, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew would never accept Islam and would never believe. Like Abu Jahal and Abu Lahab and Al-As ibn Wa'il, Al-Wali ibn Mughira and many others. Allah knew obviously with his perfect knowledge that they would never accept Islam. They would never become mu'minun and never become muwahidun. People of Tawheed. So this ayah applies to them alone. The problem with this interpretation and this response now is that you are now saying that the verse is no longer general. It's specifically to them alone. And we already mentioned that when Allah says, This is general. All kuffar. You do not worship what I worship. And I do not worship what you worship. And you do not worship what I worship. And so forth. Right? The point is, the ayah is not specific to anybody or any group. So this view also has weakness in it. To say that it applies to the present and in the future, there's a problem with the statement of the future. The third view is, La a'budu ma ta'budun means, I do not worship the idols that you worship. Wala antum a'budun ma a'bud means, you do not worship Allah. Right? This is clear. I do not worship what you worship, referring to the idols. And you do not worship what I worship, referring to Allah. You do not worship what I worship, Yani refers to Allah. We, uh, but the problem, should I say the difference of opinion comes in with, with the second two ayat. Right, with the, the second group, which is, وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدٌ مَا عَبَدْتُمْ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدْ The first view said what? This is for emphasis. The, the meaning is the same. Allah is just repeating it for emphasis. Ibn Uthaymi said that that can't be the case because the wording is different. And also because another reason that I forgot to mention in the notes is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just repeat himself for no reason. The repetition that Allah comes with in the Quran has fa'ida behind it. It has wisdom. It has benefit behind it. So the, what we are trying to do is trying to find this benefit. Trying to find there must be a difference between the two. Allah won't just repeat himself for no reason except just for emphasis. Now, the emphasis is there, yes. However, there's also additional benefit behind it and not just emphasis alone. Right? The second view said, one is for present, one is for future. We said there's a slight problem with that, with the idea of that's for the future. We can't say this kafir will never believe the way we believe. How do we know? The same with the Prophet saying to the Mushrikun, with the Quraysh, you will never believe. How do we know? And many of them, in fact, did believe. In the end, they accepted Islam. Many of them. Abu Sufyan ibn Harb accepted Islam. Umar ibn Khattab accepted Islam. And many others. Subhanallah. 
So that interpretation is a problematic interpretation to say this part here refers to the future. The third view now tells us it means in terms of worship. And this is what Ibn Kathir was saying earlier on. This is what we misread Ibn Kathir's interpretation earlier on. This is what he was basically saying. He was saying, or rather we say now, this, this interpretation means that my worship is not like yours. This part here negates the worship and not the one being worshipped. So the first part negated the one who was being worshipped, meaning I do not worship what you worship of idols and so forth, and you do not worship the one I worship, referring to Allah. This part here means, And I do not worship the way that you worship, and you do not worship the way that I worship. Referring to the way that we do ibadah. Understand? The worship is not the same. The first part was about Allah and the idols. This part is now the way we worship. So firstly we worship with ikhlas. The mu'minun. For the sake of Allah alone. Whereas your worship is one of shirk. It's not the same. The way that we worship. Our intention is for the sake of Allah alone. Your intention is for other than Allah. Or for Allah and other than Allah. Partners with Allah. So the mushrikun, for example, they would make talbiya la bayk, Allahumma la bayk. They would say, you are our Allah, la sharika lak, you have no partner, except that you have a partner. They would say things like this. So they, they acknowledged Allah. They worshipped Allah, but they also worshipped along with Allah, their idols and their false gods and so forth. So our worship is not like their worship. Our worship is one of tawheed. One that's for the sake of Allah alone. Whereas their worship is one of shirk. One of polytheism. And this is the major difference between the two. And then we can also get into other differences. Like our worship is according to the Quran and the Sunnah. It's established according to the Sharia of Allah. Whereas your worship of, of Mushrikun or Kufar is from your Hawa, from your desires. As Ibn Kathir proved earlier on. He mentioned the other ayah. It's Surah Najm. Right? Your worship is based on your desires. From what you inherited of assumption of what you think is good and so forth. And we said that's similar to the people of Bid'ah. Right? So this is a third view. That this part of the surah tells us, it's, it's talking about the way that we worship is different to the way that you worship our mushrikun, our kuffar. Right? That's the third view, which seems to be a stronger view. The fourth view, the fourth view is favored by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and also ibn Uthaymin. Ibn Uthaymin, uh, rahimahullah, also favored this view. That the first part, لا أعبد ما تعبدون ولا أنتم عبدون ما أعبد I do not worship what you worship and you do not worship what I worship or whom I worship. This is in terms of the action, in terms of the fi'l, in terms of the, the way, right? Whereas the second part means ولا أنتم عبدون ما أعبد ولا أنا عبد ما عبدتم Should be the other way around. ولا أنا عبد ما عبدتم ولا أنتم عبدون ما أعبد um, this is in regards to acceptance. So what Ibn Taymiyyah says is, nothing will be accepted except my worship. And your worship will never be accepted. Likewise in regards to pleasure meaning, I am not pleased with the way that you worship. And you are not pleased with what I am worshipping. So he says it's in, it's in terms of acceptance and pleasure. That only the way that we worship will be accepted the Muslims and what you worship will never be accepted right and also in terms of pleasure 
uh, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are pleased with that alone, and we are not pleased with what you worship. And likewise, you are not pleased with worshipping Allah alone. This was the fourth view. Right? And this also has some strength in it. It's also haq. It's also haq that, this will, that, that they will not be accepted for their shirk and their disbelief. And they are also not pleased with worshipping Allah alone. Whereas we, the Muslims, are pleased with worshipping Allah alone. And this is the only way our worship, or the, uh, yani only our worship will be accepted. Because it fulfills the conditions of acceptance, which is ikhlas, and following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I would say verse 3 and 4, <coughs> Afwan, are definitely the strongest views. Right? Verse 3 and 4. So we believe there's emphasis, yes. But behind the emphasis, there's also extra benefit. Verse 3, is, uh, the view number 3, for me, makes excellent sense. And verse number 4, uh, so the, the, the fourth opinion also makes sense. I mean that only this way will be accepted. The way that, the, the, the way that I worship, referring to the Prophet wasallam, only his way of worship will be accepted and is, is, is pleasing unto Allah. And that he alone is pleased with Allah. Whereas the way the mushriks will not be accepted. Your worship will not be accepted. Likewise, you are not pleased to worship Allah alone. Right? This is also the haqq. Tayyib. Um, Ibn Kathir then said, Therefore, the disavowal is from all what they are involved in. Right? We completely cut ourselves off from them. This ayah is making it very clear. What they worship, we don't worship. The idols and so forth. The false gods. And they do not worship what we worship, Yani Allah. And also, if we look at it the way Ibn Kathir explained it in terms of action, the way that we worship, you do not worship. And the way that you worship, we do not worship. We don't take your acts of worship. We don't follow our desires. We worship according to the Quran and the Sunnah. For certainly, he says, the worshipper must have a God whom he worships and set acts of worship that he follows to get to him. And this is what we have within Islam, alhamdulillah. We have our God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whom we worship, and we have set acts of worship that we, that we follow to get to Allah. And this is where the Quran and the Sunnah comes in. The Quran comes and the Sunnah comes with its detailed ways of how to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a legitimate way. Any way that's not from the Quran and Sunnah is an innovation which is not accepted. Right? So the Messenger and his followers worship Allah according to what he has legislated. And this is what we are talking about. What is legislated from the Quran and the Sunnah and not from innovation and from shirk and from the way of the disbelievers. We, abs- we abstain from this and we distance ourselves away from this methodology. This is why the statement of Islam is Ashhadu Allah ula ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la wa anna muhammad rasulullah. La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la wa anna muhammad abduhu wa rasuluh. There is no God worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. This is the statement of Islam. The shahada. This is the shahada. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. So we worship Allah alone and we worship him via the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the teachings of Islam. And we do not worship the idols and the disbelievers and we do not worship the way that they worship. We do not indulge in their practices and their rituals and, their, and so forth. And nor do we bring in our own desires the way that they have. And follow our own whims and fancies the way they have. This means that there is no true object of worship except Allah. And there is no path to Him, any way of worshipping Him, 
other than that which the messenger came with. So simple, alhamdulillah. The, the mushrikun worship other than Allah with acts of worship that, has not, that Allah has not permitted. Allah has not allowed. Where has... Yani this is why we say you cannot worship Allah in your own way that you think is good but there's no evidence for it. There's no evidence will be accepted unless the Prophet said it well or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said it well. Otherwise you follow the way of the mushrikun. They brought in their own worship and they just assumed it was good. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do they have partners who have legislated for them? Part of, made it part of the deen? That which Allah has not given permission for? This is specifically to the mushrikun and it also applies to people of innovation. Where do they come on these acts of worship? Where do they bring about all these acts of worship that's not from the Quran and the Sunnah? Jumping around doing dhikr, swearing and doing dhikr, celebrating maulids, celebrating certain events and big nights and so forth, and various, the, the bid'ahs have no limit anymore. Where did they come with it? Who legislated it for, for them? Who gave them permission to do these things and who said it's good? That's why Allah says, Am lahum shuraka. Do they have partners? That they're worshipping other partners who legislated these things and made it part of the deen. And yet Allah did not give it permission. Wallahu musta'an. This is why the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Lakum deenukum waliyadeen. Lakum deenukum waliyadeen. You have your way. And I have my way. You have already your deen. And I have my deen. And to you is your religion. And to me is my religion. Because complete, we, we are not the same. We are not united. We are not going to compromise. We are not going to settle. No, we are not going to give in. We have our deen. It's based on the Quran and the Sunnah. And you have your way. It's based upon your desires. It's based upon your own whims and fancies. Complete disavowal of them. And this is... Subhanallah, the tafsir of the surah is it's a powerful surah. And this is similar to what Allah says, وَإِن كَذَّبُوكَ فَقُلْ لِي عَمَلِي وَلَكُمْ عَمَلُكُمْ أَنْتُمْ بَرِيُونَ مِمَّا أَعْمَلُوا وَأَنَا بَرِيُونَ مِمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ If they deny you, they belie you, then say, My deeds are mine and your deeds are yours. You are free of what I do and I am free of what you do. Similar to what the surah is telling us. If they don't want to accept, then say to them simply, My deeds... Are mine and your deeds are yours, and you are free of what I do, and I am free of what you do. We are not the same, we are not on the same page, we are not in the same deen, we are not in the same uh, methodology, and we are not going to compromise either. We are not going to give in and, and just settle either. We are going to stand by our aqidah and our belief and our, and our methodology, and we are not going to compromise on this. This is what the Prophet is saying. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentioned that Al-Bukhari said that it has been said Lakum dinukum means your disbelief. To use your disbelief, waliyadin and to me is my Islam. To use your disbelief and to me is my Islam. And a very important point here is this verse should not be used to legitimize differences of opinion. Especially in matters of belief. The verse quoted is an insult and a belittlement of the kuffar. It's a disavowal of them. So what we find today is some people misunderstand this verse. You know, they come to you and they say, Look, brother, you believe that this is bid'ah, we believe it's good. You believe this is shirk, we believe it's permissible. So, lakum dinukum waliyadeen, let's be brothers. 
You have your deen, we have our deen. Let's be... The ayah does not mean this. The ayah is actually saying, you go with your kufr. As Abu Khari is saying, you go with your disbelief and we will have our Islam. So people are now trying to use this verse and twist the meaning and say, Lakum deenukum You have your view, I have my view. This is how they are now understanding it. It doesn't actually apply like this. If you look at the context of the surah, Allah is splitting the two groups completely. And separating them, say to them, O oh Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what must you say? I don't believe in what you... you La a'abudu ma ta'abudun. Number one, I don't worship what you worship. And you don't worship the one I worship. And secondly, Wala ana abidun ma'abatum. I do not, I am not a worshipper of, of what you worship. Yani in the way that you worship. Of, the, of following your desires and so forth. And you do not worship the way I worship. For you is your religion of kufr and for me is my religion of Islam. Separation. Go your way. We're not compromising. We're not uniting on, on, on shirk. And, and not. But people are now saying, Lakum deenukum waliyadeen. You have your view. I have my view. Alhamdulillah, we carry on. This ayah is not to be used like this. Or to be understood like this. This is a, mis- a misrepresentation of the ayah. Tayyip. To end off, Allama ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, this surah is, is this disavowal and abandonment of worshipping other than Allah. This is the, the main crux behind this ayah. We are not going to compromise with the kuffar and the mushrikun and join them in their ibadat and their rituals and their, and their festivals and so forth. Whether it be in the one whom we worship, yani join them in the idol worship and so forth, no, no ways. Or the way in which we worship, we will not incorporate their principles and their practices and their rituals nor will we follow the, our desires the way they do and just assume things to be good the way they do. Rather, we worship from what's established from the Quran and the Sunnah. So it's explained beautifully by Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah. In the surah is ikhlas lillahi ta'ala. The surah is incorporating ikhlas. This is why we said it's, it's one of the surahs of ikhlas along with qul Allahu ahad. This surah and surah al-ikhlas is the two surahs of ikhlas. It's the two surahs of ikhlas. Right? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to recite these two surahs together. Often in salah. For example, the two sunnah before fajr, which is better than this dunya, whatever it contains, the sunnah to recite there is the fatiha. The two surahs of ikhlas. Also the two sunnah praise of maghrib. He used to say the same at times. And also the two raka'at of the tawaf. After the tawaf, you make two raka'at. In that the sunnah is to recite, kafirun and These two surahs. Powerful surahs that deal with tawheed alone. That, that singles Allah out in worship. In the way that we worship. And so forth. So in the surah is definitely ikhlas lillahi ta'ala. That we do not worship none but him. And we only worship him according to the proper ways of worship. And Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately knows best. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us an understanding. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us and to guide us at all times. And to make us of His true, sincere muwahidun. Those who worship Him alone. And to make us of those who worship Him according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And to not make us of those who compromise their religion and their principles and their deen. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyina Muhammad. 
wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik until next week bi idnillah ta'ala we will discuss the next surah which will be surah an-nasr idha jaa an-nasrullah wal fath insha Allah ta'ala assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh